You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now, your host, Tish. Mary Beth Hyland believes that we all share the desire to know and return to our authentic selves at work, home, and within. On a quest to become a bonafide cowgirl and retreat owner, she works with individuals couples, and organizations to create a deeper sense of purpose through value-based lifestyles and workplace cultures. You can find Mary Beth on the web at www.sparkvisionnow.com. And to get the show notes from today's episode, be sure to head on over to shiningself.com forward slash 37. Hey there, listeners. I am so excited to have my guest, Mary Beth Highland, with me today. Mary Beth, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to not only be here with me, but also with my listeners. Welcome. Thank you so, so, so much. It's a gift to be here and be in your community today. All right, you guys, I am so excited about the topic that Mary Beth and I are going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about discovering and returning to your authentic self. So Mary Beth, before we jump into that, now I know like authentic and authenticity is kind of a common word and most people know what it is, but before we you know, jump into the meat of the conversation. Will you just take a minute and explain to my listeners what what does it mean when you're talking about authentic self? Oh, I love that you asked that question because I think a lot of times we assume we're talking about the same thing. And so this is a great way to, to start the, the conversation today. Um, when I'm talking about your authentic self or authenticity in general, Really, it's it's getting to the core of who you are without everybody else's opinions, right? So I think most of us in life, we are products of the way that we were raised by the expectations of others around us that often become internalized and become expectations of ourselves. We go through life checking boxes of approval from others, but we very rarely take the time to pull back and to look deep within and say, is that who I am? Or is that who my mom wants me to be? Or my dad wants me to be? Or my partner wants me to be? Or whatever it might, those influences might be. It happens almost always with folks who really care about other people's opinions, which Surprise is all of us. <laughs> you know, we're we're all we all want to feel a sense of belonging and connection and love and purpose and all those things. And oftentimes that we receive those feelings as a result of being someone we're not. And so then it becomes very scary to consider how will people receive me now that I'm not that person anymore that I was showing up as to please others. Oh my gosh, Mary Beth, I love that so much. And I know for me personally, because, you know, obviously I can only speak for myself and my experience, but I remember, oh man, I lived a majority of my life. I'm 46 now. And it was up until probably like five, six years ago that I was a people pleaser. Like I did not care about 
following my passion or my heart or anything that I wanted because it was more about making sure that, you know, like my parents were proud of me and I was taking care of everybody else first. And I learned that was not authentic to me, like what I was doing in my life and, you know, the people that I was trying to please Oh my gosh. Yes. I love them so much. You know, they're my family and family is amazing and wonderful, but I, I just was not living to like my true potential, my true self. So can you talk about, um, like, I know my journey of how I started to discover who, you know, I really was, um, but can you talk to my listeners and tell them, like, if somebody is wondering, well, I think I'm my authentic self, but I'm not sure, like, what does discovering and returning to your authentic self, how do they get there? Yeah, well, I think the, the first step is, is having self-awareness. And as you alluded to, many people on their journeys don't have self-awareness because they're so much more concerned with other people's opinions of themselves. So it's more about, well, what does James think of me or Allie think of me? And that tells me who I am versus what do I think of me? And so one of the first steps is, is really around starting to slow down and go within. So I bet you can relate to this because this is certainly me and I, and I have flares of it once in a while, even today, but how many times have you gone to make a big decision about your life choices? And before you did that, you asked 25 people, their opinions until you decided which other person's opinion was an alignment with maybe you might do, but you're going to do it because, you know, I really think they're great. And I would, I would follow in their footsteps. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Right. I think we're so conditioned to do that for most of our lives because of that people pleasing approval side of ourselves. So the first step is slowing down, like I said, going within and starting to the process of uncovering some more self-awareness. So who am I? Am I the person that I want to be? Am I the person who is showing up in my job this way because it brings me a sense of joy and energy and purpose and passion? Am I in this relationship because it's giving me nourishment and feeding my heart and soul? Those kinds of questions around your major life choices, like who you spend your time with and where you spend your time is a great starting point in asking yourself, is this a reflection of what I am, who I want to be and not, not what anybody else thinks, but just me. And, and sadly, most of us know when we're not, when it's not right, but we don't do anything about it. And we make excuses and we rationalize and we don't want to take a risk. And it's just easier to live with the experiences of pain that you're comfortable with than experiencing the discomfort of change. And so beginning to ask yourself those questions from a place of loving kindness 
can begin the unfolding process of recognizing, okay, I feel the most me when I'm fill in the blank. Right? So maybe that could be um, writing poetry or taking a walk or being interviewed on a podcast, whatever it might be, that can start to be an indicator for alignment in recognizing the experiences where afterward you're like, ooh, that was so good. So let's just say, for example, somebody feels that with um, being interviewed on a podcast. And so that's a, that's a point where you could zoom out and then ask yourself, what was it about that experience that made me feel so energized, alive, like I could express myself in a way that really felt like my heart was in it? versus my head that was telling me I should or had to do it. And you can start to uncover some of the words or themes. So for example, it might be connection, conversation, advocacy, right? There's lots of things in a experience like we're having right now that would illuminate the parts of you that are the most important for what it means to be you versus what other people want you to be. Does that make sense so far? <laughs> it makes total sense. And I love that you were using the podcast example because um, I've always been a talker. <laughs> I mean, like back in elementary school on, you know, like my report cards or parent teacher conferences, she talks so much. I had to move her again because she was talking again and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So I learned at an early age that being a talker was not a good thing. Like it was always bad Tisha, bad Tisha. And I also learned at an early voice to hide my voice because of that. And then when I started doing like all the inner work and, you know, coming to realize who my authentic self was, I was like, damn it. I like to talk and there is nothing bad about that because hello, I'm a podcast host. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like that. I just, I love how you've been explaining it so far. You've been doing great. And so can we kind of move the conversation a little bit, you know, to what I was just talking about? Um, maybe we have a listener that, you know, they were kind of, I guess, stifled is the word that comes to mind as a child and, um, you know, was made to believe and they took on that story that, you know, doing something or being something in, you know, their self uh, was wrong. So how would they, I'm, I know what I'm trying to say in my head, but I don't know if I know. I know how exactly what you're talking about. Okay. I've been there. Okay. Just like you were always a talker. I was too emotional. Oh my gosh. Me too. Baby. I was too sensitive and it was really a strong label. So I believed firmly that if I cried, there was something wrong with me. If I was expressing my sadness through tears, I was taught that if I was um, had a heightened sense of emotional intelligence around certain situations. I was being paranoid or over the top or overly sensitive and really just 
domesticated in a way that made me feel like something was wrong with me. Sounds like similar to what you experienced with talking. Yes. And what's been so empowering, just like you described with creating the podcast is that over time in my journey and becoming an adult and recognizing um, that this is, these are labels that had been cast on me that I was carrying with me so much that it's like, okay, well, I have to make sure that if I'm ever doing anything professional that I can't have emotions. And if I'm, if I'm going to be collaborating in some way, I I certainly can't be too sensitive about the way that people are engaging with one another, because that's just me. Everybody else is okay with it. And I don't want to make it all about me all the time. That was another phrase I was taught regularly. Like, you know, it's not always about you and like, not everybody cares about things the way you care about it. And what's been so beautiful in my healing journey was, which, which actually began, gosh, I guess almost 10 years ago. Now I I started going to therapy because I had a work addiction and it was really stemmed from those feelings of not being not enough, needing to prove myself, needing to go over the top. And I literally could not sleep through the night without being woken up at two, 3 AM with racing thoughts of all the things that I haven't gotten done yet. And then I would get up and start working instead of learning how to calm myself back down in the process of going to therapy and and talking with my amazing therapist. She really was able to illuminate my gifts in a way that I hadn't seen before. I always saw them as something was wrong with me. And so she started saying, well, you know, the program you're running is so successful. Why do you think it's so successful? And I connected it to my work addiction as why it's because, Oh, well, you know, it's because I gave 120%. It's because, you know, all these kinds of things. And she helped me to really zoom out a bit more and say, Oh, well, don't you think it also has to do with the relationships that you developed? Don't you think it has to do with the connection that you're making with these volunteers? I ran a young professionals program and and membership just skyrocketed when I took over the program. And I wound up starting to teach people all over the world on how to replicate the models. And she was like, Mary Beth, there are literally people all over the world asking how to tune into their emotional intelligence in the way that you know how to do intrinsically. And in a way that you do naturally and authentically that you don't even take it as a skill because it's something you've been trying to mute and, and, you know, numb and dumb down because it was always taught to me as something that was wrong. Yep. Yep. And so through that process, I was able to really identify and recognize that that's my, that's my freaking superpower. Highly being highly sensitive, um, being able to share vulnerability and express my emotions in a way that people really could understand what, what they were feeling because I could explain it through what I was feeling. And they're like, oh my gosh, me too. I just didn't know the words um, was such a gift because then I owned it. Then I said, this is what matters. And I'm going to teach more people how to do this because it really is a gift. And I think that so many of us have their version of this story of what's the thing that we were put down for or made to feel like we had to shrink ourselves in order to make other people more comfortable around us. Those are almost always our greatest gifts, our greatest superpowers. I actually have a whole workshop called um, Own Your Gifts, Everyone's Superpowers Being Themselves. 
And um, so much of that has to do with these kinds of milestone moments and, and our histories and what we were told we should or shouldn't be. And um, recognizing that often our gifts live in the who we were told not to be, but who we really just are. And we can't help ourselves because it's how we were born into this world and how we feel the most human when we express in that way. Yeah, I love that. And that sounds like a phenomenal workshop. Um, I like that you're calling them gifts and superpower because for so long, you know, going back to my example about the talking too much, and I also was labeled as too emotional because I cry easily. Um, I tend to pick up kind of like other people's energy. So I can guarantee you if I'm in a room with you and you're crying, you're not crying alone because I will cry with you. Um, but I understand that. <laughs> see, we we're like, you know, just connected on a level here. Yes, um, yes. So for so long, I took those labels and just internalized, you know, that's bad. I can't be like that. Like I can't show, you know, that true self. And um, unfortunately, and fortunately for me, I know that sounds weird, but it turned into, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm seven years sober. And that was like the best thing for me, because when I went into the AA program, that's when I started peeling back the onions and kind of unraveling and putting aside those labels that I had, inter I had internalized for so long as being bad. And that's when I started realizing, no, these are authentic things about me. And Mary Beth, I liked when you were talking about, you know, you're so successful because that's what people connect with with you is just, you know, your authenticity, you're vulnerable. And that's exactly like how my community, um, with what I do at shining self, that's how I've attracted my community is because I am so open and I share so vulnerably. And just from a place of, I truly believe that if like one of my messes can be a message for another woman, that's why I do what I do. Um, so you know, what would you say to, if we have a listener that's listening right now and, um, you know, they're struggling with a label that they've been labeled, um, how could you, um, you know, so for like me, I had to realize, no, that's part of like who I really authentically am. And that's not a label anymore. That's one of my superpowers. So if somebody, you know, is struggling with a label that's been placed on them, what would you say to them to, I guess, kind of question that label and, you know, see if that fits into who their authentic self is? Yeah, that's a, another, another wonderful question. And, and I think for every person, it's different. Some people are, it, it really, they really do need to get professional support, right? Yes. Going to practitioner, a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, therapist, whatever it might be, because these labels are no joke. This is not like a light thing that you like figure out in a weekend workshop. Like this is a, this is a lifetime. I'm sure with your experience that you just described, it, it was not one session or one sit down. It was a, it was a journey of getting Oh, to it's still that. a journey. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would, I would always say that depending on what the label is and how much impact it has on you, seek professional support. Now, if you just are in a place where you're like, well, I just want to get curious about it and see what's possible for me in this moment, I would spend some time 
um, just uh, like I said in the beginning, going within, starting to ask yourself some, some questions from a place of loving curiosity and not judgment. So oftentimes when we have embraced these labels as the truth, so I, I, I'm too emotional, let's just say. And so I've just accepted that to be true. I'm too emotional, overly emotional. It's the kind of thing that it's really hard to detach from it because I've accepted it as part of my identity versus I'm not too emotional. And so just like the exercise I mentioned before around what are the experiences that make you come alive or, or, or make you feel drained as far as understanding where you're really showing up authentically and sort of reverse engineering your values out of those experiences. You can also do that with this. So you might want to spend some time. Personally, I love breath work and meditation. There are some incredible guided meditations. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher actually on the app Insight Timer. I actually have a whole talk on um, the five keys to learn and return to your authentic self. So uh, if anybody's interested in checking that out, it's free on their app if you want to go a little bit deeper. But anything that could take you on a journey to go deeper within to help you start to identify those labels is definitely the beginning because unattaching them. So if someone were to say to me, you're not Mary Beth, you're Josie. That like Mary Beth in itself is actually a form of a label. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a statement about who I am and how, you know, how I present myself in the world. And it would be very difficult for me to detach from that. This is obviously an extreme example. Um, but on the other end of that, so much, so many of us say, because we've embraced and, and just, we, we're constantly beating ourselves up in our minds about how overly emotional we are, or too talkative or whatever it is, because we've, we've accepted other people's stories about what that means about us. And so being able to spend some time from a place of inner peace, that's why I talked about breath work or a guided meditation, or even just sitting silently within yourself and just start to go on a loving, curious journey on what are the things that people have said about me or that I've accepted that others have cast upon me over my lifetime that aren't serving me, that just do not serve me. They are not from a place of love and possibility and abundance. And the reason I say loving curiosity is because it's very easy to teeter over into the self-judgment in those inner journeys of getting more present with what those things are about ourselves. We start hurting ourselves with our own words and saying, oh yeah, well, yeah, I, I am way too emotional. And I, I, yeah, I know that that's what my mom said, but it's true. And I accept that. And I'm and like, that's something I need to know about myself versus, well, how does it make you feel? Right. And so any kind of label or um, type of characterizing of yourself that makes you feel less energized, that makes you feel like something's wrong with you, that makes you feel like it's something you have to fix about yourself. Those are the places to get lovingly curious about and begin to ask yourself questions like, where did that come from? 
who was the first person to plant that seed inside of me? What is the truth about that today? And if it's the kind of thing where it's something you know you want to change, then you can go deeper on that journey, either working with a professional or, or you know, finding practices along your own way and however you, you do that. That is something that every single one of us deserves because we are carrying so much burden all the time. I actually had one of the most beautiful conversations with my, my father-in-law recently who was, it is a very private person and is not really interested in being vulnerable or sharing from a place of um, emotions. And just recently I was with him and he was very emotional. And he said to me that now that he has seen me and my husband, we were in business together, how we live our lives. He realized how much he shut down parts of himself for other people's comfort. Wow. And that was like, rocked me to my core because how profound is that? You can literally come up with this and make new choices in your seventies. Like it's never too late. And so then he started sharing with me more vulnerably about things. And ever since then, we have just this completely different relationship, both me and my husband with him, because he sees us doing it and it gives him permission to feel like he can do it. And he's let, let go of wanting to continue to domesticate us. Instead, he's now turned on to what can I learn from the way you all are showing up in the world? Oh my gosh. That gave me goosebumps listening to you talk about that. And it took me back to, um, a couple years ago, I lost my grandma and I was, um, with her when she transitioned and, um, you know, she'd been in the hospital for several days before, you know, she passed, but like one of the things that just rocked me to my core that my grandma said to me was don't get to this point in your life to shit and have all the regrets that I have for not following my dreams, for not following my passion, um, for not using my voice. You know, she had a book she wanted to write and there was just so many things that she didn't do. And that, that's just really stuck with me like the last couple of years, you know, since that happened, because I don't want to get to that point. And I love, you know, that your father-in-law is realizing that, that, um, you know, he has shut himself off to, you know, make other people comfortable, but not anymore. He's not willing to do that. And, um, we're never too old. Like you said, Mary Beth, um, because sometimes I get hung up on the fact, oh my gosh, I'm 46. And I'm like, well, that's too old, you know, to pursue this or do that. And then I just, you know, in this conversation, you know, you sparked that by sharing that with your father-in-law. And then, you know, that just took me back to my grandma. We're never, ever, ever too old to, yeah. you know, just choose to live each day differently. Um, and Mary Beth, I just want to chat with you all day because I love this topic so much. Um, what, like, as we're starting to wrap up uh, the conversation, what would you, if there was like just one piece of advice that you could leave my listeners with today, what is that one piece of advice? 
So I'm going to take a little bit of a sidestep to what we've been what we've been talking about, but it's it's connected to what I shared in the beginning. My one piece of advice is to know what your values are. So really spend the time in identifying the words and language that can articulate what your soul and your heart are here to experience. And we know that because when our values are activated, that's when we feel that energy. That's when we feel that alignment. That's when we feel that sense of purpose and pride and power. Because when we can do that, we then have a lens and a filter in which to truly return to ourselves. Because I think oftentimes people want to know their why and they think it's this one thing and everyone's here for this one specific purpose. And if they don't know what that is, then they really are missing out and all this kind of stuff. But I argue that we have lots of purposes and our purpose is when we're activating our values and we're in true sense of alignment with our behaviors, our actions, our mindset with those values. And then these amazing, incredible things start happening, these shifts all around us, because just like you heard me share with my father-in-law, when we activate a sense of alignment inside of ourselves through our values, other people around us start waking up and realizing there are other possibilities for this. And sometimes people are turned off and don't wanna be a part of your new way of being. And that's a good thing in the sense of, you wanna surround yourself with people who are gonna be supportive, people who at least respect your values, if not share them. And that you can truly honor that core internal side of yourself every day and not sacrifice who you are for the sake of other people. I love that. And I totally failed as a podcast host because I had the word values wrote down right here in front of me (laughs) and I never brought it up. I got too excited about the conversation. So thank you for bringing that. Yeah, no failure here. We were talking about values the whole time. I mean, it really, that (laughs) we were just talking about them in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I, Mary Beth, you touched on something that I love too, about when we do like step into our authentic self and put ourselves out there just as we are, it does turn some people off and that's okay. Because I mean, you want people on your side that are going to support you, encourage you and love you for who you are versus, you know, having those people around you that, you know, they're going to try to bring down that person that you're becoming. Um, I had to let go of, you know, some relationships because of, you know, following my heart and pursuing, you know, my dreams and just stepping into the authentic empowered woman that I am meant that, you know, there were a few people around me that they didn't want me to be a better version of myself. Yeah. And I, it's so much of that is a part of like, they can't, they want, they want to keep controlling you, right? They want you to keep in with them. They want you to keep um, suffering alongside of them because that's what makes them feel comfortable and good and connect and connected. I mean, I can't tell you how many people in my life that the majority of our relationship was spent complaining about our jobs and how good it felt to have somebody else who could relate instead of 
connecting with people who love their jobs and getting more curious around how do I find an environment that makes me feel like that? No, I was very comfortable just complaining and suffering and um, spewing that out on the people around me. And that's the thing. Our energy is really contagious. So whether we're doing it for good and in, in really shining a light on a new possibility, or we're doing it in a way that's like, oh yeah, let's get in, like, let's like suffer together. Um, and it's really a struggle. I think that so many of us are used to decompressing through venting about life instead of recognizing where there's opportunities to shift, to make new choices and to step up into a higher vibration so that we can really live in our greatest possibility instead of surrounding ourselves with people who are comfortable suffering together. Yep. Oh my gosh. This has been just an amazing conversation. Like I love it so much. Um, Mary Beth, I want to appreciate you so much again for just your time for joining me and my listeners. Listeners, if you want to connect with Mary Beth, you can find her at sparkvisionnow.com. And Mary Beth, really quick before we um, end the conversation, you have something exciting coming up in a couple months. You have a book coming out. Will you share a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for asking for me to share that. I it, Very soon, it's like one of these things that's been inside me for so long. It's very exciting. I'll tell you what, talk about vulnerability and authenticity. That is what it takes to, to birth this book. And it's been such a beautiful and trying and illuminating experience. So the book is called Permission to be Human, the Conscious Leader's Guide to Creating a Values-Driven Culture. So if anybody who's listening leads a team, is an entrepreneur, is a CEO of an organization, this is a book for people who really want to know what their values are as an individual and then learn how to expand that possibility within their entire team so that together you can create a culture that is aligned with your core values. And not just as a nice poster on the wall or something that you say to each other, but really getting clear on the behaviors, the expectations, the policies, the procedures, the hiring, the terminations, the coaching, everything that comes with an organization's culture. It's really getting into the nooks and crannies of how you can truly live in an aligned values organization. Thank you for sharing that. I will definitely be checking your book out. So listeners, I will make sure that um, all of that information is in show notes. When the book is released, I will update show notes with a link to the book. Mary Beth, thank you so much. I just so appreciate our conversation today. Likewise, it's been a real gift. And don't forget, if you're looking for the show notes from today's episode, head on over to shiningself.com forward slash 37. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment and share with others that need a message of hope, love and transformation.